This episode of Left of Field is thanks to Soul Cups, eco-friendly reusable coffee cups and bottles. It's Left of Field with Danny Kavanagh. Hello, friends, and thank you for tuning in to another episode. I'm bringing you a really different one today. I'm going to be joined by Australian cliff diver, Rihanna Nifflin. And she joined the Red Bull circuit in 2016 as a wildcard entry, and she dominated the field. Since then, she is undefeated and travels around the world high diving. It's a pretty interesting sport, pretty extreme. I recommend you go check out some of the videos too. But yeah, let's jump straight into it. Rhiannon, welcome to the Left of Field podcast. How are you going today? Hey, thanks for having me. Not doing too bad today. Thank you. You're in day six of quarantine in Sydney. And that is very different to what you're used to as a adrenaline (laughs) junkie, I bet, being kind of locked up in a room. How are you going? Surprisingly, it's day six has come around quite quickly. So at the moment, I'm coping okay. So it's actually better than the first three days when I arrived here, which are a bit tougher than usual because uh, I'm not used to staying in one place for a very long time. So yeah, it's, it was quite tricky. I think it was more the thought that, that was scaring me. So yeah, it's, it's been okay here. Now you touched on it there. You're not very rarely in one city because your sport, you know, working with Red Bull takes you around the world. Why don't we just start straight from the beginning? How did you get into diving? <laughs> Yeah, that's right. So I got into diving. I actually began as a trampolinist and a gymnast. I think I was around nine or 10 years old. And uh, the way I got into it was we had some family friends and they were gymnasts and they were always flipping around it on the grass at our place. And, uh, you know, I wanted to learn that too. So my mum and dad took me into trampoline. And uh, from there, there was some other gymnasts that recommended diving. So with my love for the water and where I grew up, diving was kind of the perfect sport for me. So, yeah, I began diving there at Lambton Pool in Newcastle from around the age of nine. I've never really looked back. I, from there, went on to compete for New South Wales and even Australia in three-meter and, and ten-meter diving. After I finished my Olympic diving career at around 19, I then moved on to working in diving shows on board cruise ships which then led me to high diving, which then led me to cliff diving. So it was quite a journey to get where I am today. What attracted you to diving in the first place? Are you just someone who loves the bit of adrenaline as a kid, do you reckon? I'm not sure. Like, as I said, you know, I loved the feeling of flipping around, being in the air. And yeah, I guess I was a a bit of an outgoing child. But uh, I think it was also my love for the water as well, which kept me in the sport. I think that that has to do with the that I preferred diving over gymnastics. So, yeah. Now, you gave up diving at a young age to go on cruise ships. Why did you give up the sport? Yeah, look, at 19 years old, look, I'm not going to lie, I was just a bit burnt out. I started a full-time scholarship training in Sydney for the age of around 15 years old and by the time I got to 19 you know it was like overcoming injuries so I was at that age where I was starting to support myself and yeah I I just got a bit burnt out from that and I actually took a a year and a half break and I did some traveling and spending time with the family and and then yeah this this job came up on the cruise ships I was going to be an aquatic acrobat 
that came my way and I was still passionate about the sport and I wanted to take a, a different road and still continue to, to follow my passion and, and that's what I did and one thing kind of led to another so I'm super glad that, that I took that decision to come back to diving after having a year off. What's it like diving on a ship because the water moves? Um, <laughs> you know, you're jumping and you're swaying in the air. Explain to us what that's like. Yeah, I did five contracts and they all had different shows. So three metre board, a 10 metre board and a 17 and a half metre board on the ships. And I was also doing a little bit of aerial work and a little bit of trampoline as well. But yeah, the tricky thing about it was one that the pool was quite small. So actually when you stood on the 17 metre tower, you could kind of cover it with your feet. Couldn't see it anymore. And also, obviously, the ship is not always still, you know, it moves with the motion of the ocean. So sometimes, you know, you could jump and the pool could shift slightly to the right or the left or the water could flow to the other side. So, you know, at one point you're diving from 10 metre and the next minute you, you don't realise you're diving from 11 metre. So that was quite challenging, but we were never put in position where we would have to do something that we didn't feel comfortable doing. And even if we did dive, in, in, then we would modify the dives accordingly to, to make it a bit more safe and calculated. Did you have any close calls? Yeah, there was a few. I, I think I only had maybe one or two close calls, but in saying that, they weren't that close considering the, the size of the pool. <laughs> and so how did you go from doing these shows on cruise ships to entering into the World Championships? Yeah, so when I began working on cruise ships, I always had that idea in my head that, that I wanted to go and compete in the Red Bull Cliff Diving World Series and the FINA World Championships. I've been following the sport for a, a couple of years and had the privilege to work with some of the guys that were on the World Series circuit already. Because of my background in trampolining and diving, they saw that I was capable of going to high diving and I also kind of felt that I was capable of, of you know, taking that next step. From there, I started training to convert the skills from regular Olympic diving to high diving. And after that, I actually went on to work in a theme park in France, which is, we were doing another diving show there, which is where I actually learned to high dive there in France. That was the progression. And do you remember your first international dive? Uh, yes, I do remember my first international dive. What was that uh, like? It went horribly wrong. <laughs> what happened? It went horribly wrong, actually. Competing in Abu Dhabi and I just miscalculated the dive. It was just because I had way too many emotions and too many nerves and still fairly new to the sport and fairly new to diving at 20 metres. So everything just got the better of me. And, uh, yeah, I, I didn't land so well. But, I mean, I was okay and I managed to finish the competition. But, yeah, I, I finished in last place by about, I think, 70 points or something like that so that was quite disheartening <laughs> when you mean don't land well do you, do you belly flop let's just say it was a belly flop it was, I'm great it wasn't still. the most graceful entry <laughs> <laughs> no it was very un, not it was wasn't very graceful at all but then how did you get picked up for the wild card entry into Red Bull well I mean just because I had messed up that first dive of that competition. The judges and the, the scouts were still there at, at the event and, and they still saw the potential in a few other divers. I did all of my training dives really well, which was enough to get an invite actually to the next 
Red Bull Cliff Diving World Series event, which was the first one of 2016, because somebody had pulled out and they invited me four weeks prior to the event. So, yeah, and there I was going to the event <laughs> in four weeks' time. Wow, and it's pretty remarkable your story since then. You've joined the Red Bull Tour in 2015, and as the young kid on the block, since then, you have basically been undefeated. You've won the championship four times. You know, you're the female head of the sport. How does that feel? You know what? Like, I, I always think about kind of how grateful I am that I dived like that at my first event in Abu Dhabi because it really made me kind of realize the way that I, I should be competing or the way that I should approach competing. I and mean, I think that changed everything for me. But yeah, you know, to go from there and then to be four years down the track and have four World Series titles and two World Championships gold medals is just an incredible feeling. You know, I'm still pinching myself, but not only that, the career that I've made out of this sport that I've done since I was 10 years old is something that I never would have saw possible, not only competitions, but I'm also traveling around the world, searching for locations and diving from some incredible places with Red Bull. So yeah, it's, it's awesome. So awesome. The first competition, how it didn't go so well, and then you have developed into a better diver. Is that putting together a pre-dive structure? What do you do before a dive? How do you prepare yourself? Look, a lot of people have like rituals and ways to prepare but for me like I fell into that groove of having that place that I would go into where which would make me feel confident and you know there's a place in my head where I can already sense how the dive's going to go before I even step up there because of the way that I set myself up mentally but before the the competition days and actually when I get to the competition and before I'm about to step up onto the platform I've done all my thinking, I've done all my mental preparation so that when I step onto the platform, I can just let my muscle memory take over and, and perform the dive like I know how to do it. But yeah, a few things I do, it's kind of strange. I, I always have like really loud headphones and I always sing at the top of my lungs and I dance. What kind of music? Um, oh, I listen to the first song that comes to mind is uh, Van Morrison, Bright Side of the Road. Good one. <laughs> Good vibe song. Yeah, I, I also use like a, a lot of visualization and, you know, just going through the dive in my head before I actually step there. So, yeah, to simplify it. How is the sport judged? So you're cliff diving off different types of platforms or cliffs around the world in some pretty remarkable yep. places, I must say. How is it judged? Explain to us how the Red Bull competition works. It's judged in a similar way to Olympic diving. We have five judges which judge the execution so they judge the takeoff the execution in flight and the entry and how graceful it is so those five scores from the judges the highest and the lowest score is marked off to get an average and then it's times by the degree of difficulty when they're judging different locations it's sometimes different because we dive from platforms and we dive straight from the cliff you know we've had competitions that we've dived out of buildings we've had like all sorts of things so they also take into consideration the, the location and and the, the natural elements and surroundings as well when they're judging so yeah those natural elements like the wind how do you deal with the weather conditions in different locations around the world is that hard yeah look I always yeah sometimes it, it is difficult 
you know, you're in a, a sport that is performed in outdoor locations. So, I mean, if I'm going to Dublin Island, I should expect that the weather and the water is going to be cold. So I always prepare for it before I'm even there. I'm not shocked <laughs> when, I, when I arrive. But it's actually one thing that I love about the sport is the fact that we are challenged with those natural elements. How do you then train for a 20-metre dive? So you dive between 20 and 22 metres, is that correct? Correct, yeah. Yeah, and so how do you train um, for that? Yeah, there's not so many pools around the world that have got a 20-metre diving board. No, there's there's only a few places where training facilities are available, those heights. But I'm lucky enough that, that I work in one in France during the European summer where we have a ladder which goes from the ground up to 24 metres. So in the European summer, I have the opportunity to train there. But when I'm at home here, generally we just break the dive down into three parts. So we'll train the takeoff, we'll train the rotations and the twists from lower heights, say 5 metre or 7 metre, and then we'll train entries on 10 metre. I also have a place where I, I go dive locally into the ocean from a cliff, so that's also been helping as well, especially in the, the current circumstances with COVID, uh, where the pools have been closed. I've, I've been able to go there and still test myself and still enjoy myself there on the cliffs. How does it feel hitting the water, and how much water do you like to have underneath <laughs> you for a jump? depends actually I usually find that it depends on the body of water itself like how salty it is how fresh it is the temperature of the water but you get used to the impact in the beginning or when you take a long break that impact is quite forceful your body seems to adapt to it and it it seems to get better but sometimes the water can feel like concrete and I've just actually finished a, a little adventure around Bulgaria when I was over in Europe and We were diving in some places and I just found that I can dive into about three metres of water. So that's definitely a minimum. The dive doesn't look very graceful when it's that shallow. But yeah, I I think generally around four to five metres is is where I would ideally like the depth of the water. A lot of water. How do you manage your fear? Do you ever get scared up there after doing it for so long now? You know, that's that's a common question that I get asked. Mm. And yes, every time I get up there, I'm scared, I'm petrified. I, I don't think it's a sport that all of the divers, if you watch them, they're scared in some way, shape or form. We all just have different ways of, of dealing with it. Finally, our favourite coffee shops are back open and accepting reusable cups. So why not go with an eco-friendly version and pick sole cups? Now, sole cups are made out of hand-blown glass. They have a sleek, lightweight design and 100% plastic-free, but also you can put them in the dishwasher and microwave. Now, I love my sole cup. I get a lot of compliments on its really cool design and colours and also the fact that the rubber on the outside keeps my hand cool while keeping my drink super warm. So if you also love protecting the environment, why not treat yourself to a new cup? Or even they have glass water bottles as well. So maybe you get a cool little set together. And our friends at Soul Cup are offering all Left of Field listeners 15% off. So just go to their website. It's in the show notes and you can save big. Why not treat yourself? Because saving the environment while having a really cool product is a win-win. You've also, you know, suffered some injury. Tell me about that 2017 knee injury. How did that happen? Bosnia at the penultimate stop. Yeah, the, the river there, the water is around 11 degrees Celsius and the river is flowing quite strongly. 
there, so there's quite a current. And I remember just being in, in the middle of my dive, and I thought I was going to over-rotate a little bit. So I kind of took my mind off thinking about what I actually had to do. So I just, my knees just got dragged with the current and the force, and, and they were just ripped apart. So I was quite lucky that it was only a strain, but... It was to both knees at the same time, so um, it was it still felt like quite severe. So both knees at the same time. How long did it take you to get back into the sport? Because you didn't lose the championship that year, so you came back and competed. No, yeah, I I did. I had I think six weeks after that injury, or five and a half weeks after after the injury in Bosnia until the World Series final being held in Chile. Even with the did not start in Bosnia, I was still leading the, the World Series tally. So it was a blessing and, and that was the reason that I decided that, okay, I'm, I have to compete and I have to place in the top three. I went to, to Chile and I didn't do any warm-up dives. The training between the injury and Chile was quite limited. It was everything just revolved around, you know, the rehab, getting myself back in shape and getting getting myself into a place where I could withstand the impact. And it was about doing just four consistent dives. It wasn't about doing four perfect dives. It's probably one of the biggest highlights of my career was uh, going, overcoming those challenges and, yeah, making it all worth it. Now, you're known for pushing the envelope, especially for the females. Are you always trying to set the benchmark? Tell me about, you know, the dive that you kind of brought to the female competition. Yeah, look, I don't ever really look at it that way. I always try and challenge myself. And actually, like, I really like being competitive. I enjoy the sport so much and I try not to think that I'm the one pushing the sport. Yeah, I, I am doing one of the hardest dives in the world right now. Actually, the hardest dive in the world. I was the second person to do it, so I followed suit on this one. And yeah, now there's three of us doing it, but some of the other girls are coming up. I enjoy pushing the sport with them as much as I do pushing it on my own. How are you planning on staying ahead of the pack from now on? Let's see. We haven't competed this year, but yeah, I, I, just this wave of confidence that I was on. And look, every time I stood on the platform, I I just felt great and I I felt like that was where I was supposed to be. So I I think it's going to have to do a lot with the way that I play the game mentally. Obviously, the physical training will definitely play a huge part as well. But, you know, it all comes down to that three seconds when you're standing up there on the platform, whether you can hold it together and and put all of the physical training. Where's your favourite place around the world to dive? That's like the most difficult question that I get asked, actually. And I think every time I answer it, it's different. <laughs> it's the most recent one, and that was in, in Bulgaria. Uh, I, no, actually, I would have to say definitely the Northern Territory. Tell us about this. So Red Bull sent you on an outback trip to the Northern Territory to film <laughs> a little doco for them, which everyone should go out and watch. But tell me, how did this trip come together? Yeah, that, it was one of the coolest things I've ever experienced in my life. I mean, going to ex- explore... Some of the canyons and the gorges up there it was just incredible. I went with my best friend and, and a few other guys from Red Bull and I basically just cruised up the gorge looking for locations and it, it was just incredible. Did you jump with crocodiles up there? <laughs> yeah, yeah, did meet a few of the local crocs. I mean, it was safe enough. We were far enough up the gorge that there wasn't too many crocs, only some small freshwater ones. 
To be honest, I was more worried about the snakes and the spiders <laughs> while I was diving, while I was climbing and using the, the campgrounds. Obviously, COVID has stopped a whole whole competition season for you. But before that, there was a lot of changes happening to the sport and the sport, there's a lot of equality now in the sport. Tell us about those changes and how you feel about them. Yeah, look, I think it's amazing and everything equal for women now in our sport. The same amount of competitions, they closed the pay gap, which is incredible. Fortunately, we, we didn't feel it this year, obviously, because we weren't competing. But I think next year it's going to be equally as exciting. And I can't wait to, to get together with all the females and, and celebrate that at the first event of 2021. Yeah, when is that first event? Do you know where you will be jumping? No, we don't as of yet. Hopefully we're going to find out early 2021. So I'm definitely I'm super eager to find out the plan for next year, though. That's for sure. So now you've had a bit of time away from the sport. Who is Rhiannon without cliff diving or high diving? Who are you? What do you like to do? And, you know, what are your <laughs> other passions? Anything adventurous. I really love snow skiing. I really love surfing. I love hanging out with my friends. I love traveling. I love tasting different local wines. Each place that I go, if I hadn't continued my high diving career, I actually wanted to join the police force. So that's that's things you don't know about me. (laughs) Is that something that you might do afterwards? Uh, Look, I'm still thinking about it now. Obviously, with my career come a lot of different uh, avenues that I can take, but I'm definitely still thinking about it, yes. That's exciting. That could be good. There's a whole new element to the police force there. And one question I do like to ask, what is a motto that you like to live life by? I guess never let the fear of striking out or failing stop you from playing the game. Oh, I like that. That's something that I've uh, I've always, yeah, kind of lived. There's different challenges in every day, but you never know what could be the outcome of uh, tackling those challenges, you know. Great. Well, thank you so much for chatting to us. I know there was meant to be, for the first time ever, a dive in Sydney this year, which would have been really epic for you, Nina. Yeah, exactly. But hopefully that happens next year and Australia gets to get a bit more of a taste of what cliff diving is all about. Yeah, look, I, I was so exciting. It was the event was supposed to be held in Sydney tomorrow, actually, and now I'm in Darling Harbour, looking almost at the location. But yeah, we have our fingers crossed for next year, and really hope that I can live in that moment that I thought about and uh, worked towards so hard. Thank you very much for the support, and, and I'd, I'd love to show the country more about my sport. Well, everyone should go onto your Instagram and check out some of the videos or watch that Red Bull documentary because this sport is very extreme, but what you do is amazing. So keep it up and we'll continue to follow your career. Thank you so much for chatting to me and good luck in the next few days of isolation. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. Take care. Thank you, Rhiannon, for joining me on the podcast. And thank you guys so much for tuning in. Uh, Please go back and listen to some other episodes. Maybe Michael Booth and world number one stand-up paddleboarder is one that you might have missed and uh, is another sport you might want to learn about. But otherwise, uh, have a good week. And I will be back in your ears again next week. Goodbye.